In honor of Christmas, not only does our guest share her angel encounter, but her near-death experience, her miracle healings, and a whole lot more. All on this week's Spirit Answers Podcast. Well, Norma, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's my honor. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking with you a little bit before uh, this recording here today. And, uh, you, you know, you have an absolutely miraculous uh, assortment of testimonies. And I don't want to give too much away uh, for people here today. They're in for a real treat. Um, some of this, you know, is an angel encounter, uh, NDE and miraculous healing. So I'm going to kind of go ahead and let you uh, take us away wherever it is that you want to begin. Okay. Well, um, I'll tell you the angel testimony first. And I was 16 and um, I was working at my Uncle George's little barbecue place. And um, it was sprinkling a little bit and he always come out after me and always left a few minutes after I did. So it was around eight o'clock or so. And the road that I travel on was very dark. It didn't have a lot of light, country road. And it was misting. And I had bent down between my car seats to get my coat. And when I looked back up, my tire had slipped off of the asphalt onto the gravel. And that road was about four inches thick of asphalt. So it was pretty good ways when your tire went off. And being 16, I really didn't know how to correct the driving part when I'd get off the road like that. And so I jerked the wheel to get back on the road and it had been misting, so it was slippery. And I was only doing about 25. And my car started going in spin tails. Wow. And it spun around three times. Oh, right there in the middle of the road, it just started spinning. And it went around three times and then went off of the road and headed right into the thicket and the trees. And I put both feet on my brake and I braced myself because I was coming toward a huge um, oak tree. And I knew for a fact that um, I was going to hit it. There was no stopping the car. It was sliding on dirt. And I had both feet on the brake and I just stretched my arms out and braced the um, steering wheel as hard as I could and it, for a split second I thought I'm fixing to die wow so the only thing I did was scream to the top of my lungs Jesus and I screamed it with everything I had because I thought that way, at least he'd know I was coming, right? <laughs> he'd be ready for me. And um, I just screamed, Jesus. And about that time, just 
bow. And then all the glass started shattering. And the steering wheel started moving toward me. And all I remember was heat on my legs. The motor had come in under the dash and uh, was into the cab of the vehicle. And um, my steering wheel had completely pinned and crushed me into the seat. Now, at the same time that this is happening, I started my spirit. My body was pinned in the seat. The motor was against my legs, burning my legs. The steering wheel was in my chest. I was pinned. There's no movement. But I was moving. I was moving toward the right. But my body was pinned in the seat. And so I started moving toward the right and falling. It felt like I was falling, but I was in slow motion the whole time. And so I was seeing everything in very well detail because it was going so slow. And I went to brace my hand onto my passenger seat because I knew I was fixing to pass out. I knew it was it because I was almost, my head was almost in the floorboard. So I went to put my hand on the passenger seat and my hand touched a leg. And when I looked toward the right, when I was going downward, the whole seat was like it was lit up. There was a leg there. It was all I could see from the waist down, past the knee, it was a white, like a gown. Um, I describe it as painter's uh, drop cloth. It looked like a cotton, but it was illuminating. And it was so white that it was the whitest white I'd ever seen. And it was illuminating light out of this gown. And you could see the leg, but it was covered, you know, with the gown. But when my hand touched the leg, I could feel it. Now, mind you, nobody was in the vehicle with me. <laughs> so, and I felt the leg. And when I started going downward, my hand slid down the thigh to the knee. And then I blacked out. That was it. And so I, the next moment, I opened my eyes. And I was standing outside my vehicle, probably about 50 feet from my car. But when I opened my eyes, I was facing the road and my sneakers were up against that asphalt, that big old drop off of asphalt. My toes were crammed up against it and they were hurting. And I looked down at my feet and then I looked up and I looked to the left and I was thinking, well, where am I at? And then I looked to the right 
and it was just a dark road and I couldn't figure out where I was at. And so then I looked behind me and I saw my car and it was all crinkled up, mushed up. And then when I looked over, I heard a car coming. I looked back and here comes his truck. And it was the same color as my Uncle George's truck, blue and white. But I think I was still in shock. And so the truck went past me. And mind you, there's no lights on this road. Pitch black. And so I get out in the road, and I guess they saw me from their headlights. And they started slowing down, and it was going uphill. So they had to slow down. And I started trucking. I mean, I was running with everything I had up to this truck and he had rolled down the window and I grabbed that door and I looked right at him and I screamed, you're not my uncle George. <laughs> and I guess in my head, I was thinking my uncle George should have been coming by now, you know, cause he always rode behind me. And I turned around and started running down the hill and there was two girls and two guys and they all got out of the truck and started running after. And um, they got a hold of me. Well, about that time, the ambulance come over the hill. And so did the fire truck and the police department. And then the next thing I know, the ambulance people are grabbing a hold of me. And they're examining me. And I realized I looked down and I realized my legs are all bloody. And my pants had been burned off from the thigh all the way to my ankle. I didn't even have no jeans on on the front part of my body, but my back part of my jeans were still intact. But the wow. front part of my jeans were completely burned off from the motor. Even the thigh. Now, how do I get a burn up on my thigh on my pants from a motor that just supposed to hit my knee? I don't know. All I know is I didn't get out of that car, okay? I blacked out in that car. And so when I, they grabbed me, and then all the cops, everybody's running out there to the car, searching the car, and they shoved me back in the back of the ambulance, and they were asking me what happened. And I was telling them I spun around, I hit this tree, and then I blacked out. And when I come to, I was standing by the road. Well, then the police officer come back there and said, well, where's he at? I said, where's who at? My Uncle George? And he said, no, where's the man that got you out of the car? I said, there wasn't no man that got me out of the car. I said, I was by myself. He said, ma'am, there's no humanly way possible that you got out of that car by yourself. He said, we want to know. Who was in that car with you, and where did he go? He said, did he go off into the woods after he got you out? I said, sir, there wasn't no man. I said, there wasn't no man in my car. I said, I just got off work. And I said, my Uncle George should be coming for too long. And he said, did your Uncle George get you out? I said, well, no. He, I said, he's back at work. I said, there wasn't no man. And he said, ma'am, there had to have been somebody to get you out of that car. There's no way you could have got out of that car on your own. 
And I said, I never got out of the car. I said, I passed out in the car. I said, when I opened my eyeballs, I was standing by the road. And he told me I was lying. Now, I'm still in shock. But I'm not really appreciating this police officer telling me I'm a liar, you know, when I'm telling him exactly what I remember. And about that time I saw my Uncle George, they were um, making them go around the ambulance. And I saw him and I started yelling, there's my Uncle George, there he goes right there. So they didn't stop him or nothing. And so I was sitting there and they were bandaging me up and cleaning all the blood off and spraying me with some kind of burn stuff and wrapping my legs, telling me I'm going to have to go to the hospital. <laughs> and, um, and here comes the fire department man. And he starts asking, where'd the gentleman go? Did he go to the woods? Did he run off? Did somebody pick him up after he got you out of the car? I said, I don't know why everybody keeps telling me somebody got me out of the car. I said, oh, wait a minute. I know what it was. And he said, what? And I said, it was Jesus. And he said, ma'am, we're not playing with you. This is serious. I said, I'm serious. I said, look, I screamed Jesus before I hit that tree. And I said, then all of a sudden I seen this white leg that was glowing. <laughs> I know it sounds, you know, and I was telling him, you know, and I slid, I had my hand on it and slid down the leg and then I passed out. And when I come to, I was standing by the road. I told him I didn't get out of the car. I never got out of the car. And he told me there's no way I could have got out of the car. And I told him, well, I didn't. He said, somebody got you out. And I said, yeah, it was probably Jesus. I said, somebody was there in my car after I screamed Jesus. It must have been Jesus. And, you know, he just got mad at me and just walked off. And so next thing I know, I see my mother. And my mother sticking her head around the ambulance saying that Uncle George had come to the house because he had saw a wreck. And he wanted to make sure that I got home and that I wasn't home. So my mother come up there and she said that she wasn't going to let them charge her no $250 for an ambulance. That um, the, ambulance, the hospital was only five miles down the road and that they needed to put me in the back of her car so she could take me to the hospital. That she wasn't paying $250 for an ambulance when it was right down the road and she could take well, then, then the ambulance people were trying to get into my mother because they were telling her I was truly hurt and that I needed to go by ambulance. And she's arguing with them, telling them no. And so they put me in the back of my mother's car and um, she takes me to the hospital and they doctored me up and, and did x-rays and they said that you know, I already had a bruise of a steering wheel on my chest. And when they were doing the x-ray, they saw the bruise on my back. I didn't know I had a bruise on my back, 
but I could see the steering wheel on my chest. It's perfect circle, and it had a Mustang emblem right in the middle of my chest. And so I just couldn't believe that I would have a bruise like that. I'd never seen a bruise look like a steering wheel before. And um, then the doctor come in and told me I had been bruised completely through my body, that I'd been bruised internally in every organ, and my torso was bruised all the way through, all the way through my back. He said I had the same steering wheel on my front as I had on my back, that it had bruised me all the way through internally. Wow. And he looked at my mother and told her she's very lucky to be alive. Um, and then they finished doctoring up my legs, checking them, and I went home on crutches for six weeks. Took me about 10 months to get in a car to drive one again because I was a little scared after that. But I um, can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for years and years and years, I truly believed it was Jesus that come got me. Well, um, uh, probably 10 years later, I'm looking at this scripture and it says that when you say the name of Jesus, that the angels hearken unto you. And they're always listening, see, for the Lord's name. And so every time you say the name Jesus, that the angels hearken unto you, and it says that they will come to you to see what you're needing and why you're saying Jesus' name. They'll actually come check you out and make sure you're all right if you're saying the Lord's name. So I got thinking about it, and I thought that's what it was. It wasn't Jesus. It was an angel because I screamed the name of Jesus before I had hit that tree. And that's why the angel hearkened unto me. That's why the angel come to help me. It's because I screamed the name of Jesus and it was going to be the last name on my mouth before I went to heaven. Well, how powerful, um, how powerful his name is. And, and we see it time and time again, right. uh, you know, even on this show, you know, when people are yeah. having demonic encounters or quote encounters from aliens, which we understand to be demonic, when we're given the That's authority right. to cast a, cast out demons uh, in the name of Jesus. And yes, now do. even in a, a miracle, situations such as this how powerful is that name how absolutely phenomenal it, it's the most powerful name there is it's the most powerful name the most beautiful name the most trustworthy name he will provide for you he will protect you when you can't trust nobody on this planet you can trust god he will always provide even when you think he's not there, when you don't feel him, that don't mean he's not there. That's our issue. God's always got his eye on us, always. He protects us at all times, whether we believe it or we don't. He loves us no matter what we're doing, even when we're living in our sin. 
He's loving us just as much. He don't love you, no, not one drop less because you're sinning or you're not. He loves you because he created you. And he knows you better than anybody. God will always protect you. If it's you're meant to be protected, because sometimes God wants you to come on home. You know, it hurts my heart when people blame God when somebody passes. Because everybody has a lot of amount of time. You know, we're all for God's purpose. We're created for God's pleasure. What it says. We're not created for our own pleasure. We're not created for our own purpose. We're only created for God's purpose and his pleasure. Can you just think about that for a minute, knowing that God gets pleasure out of you, just walking around, having an ordinary every day, just God looking at you gives him pleasure. Isn't that something? It is absolutely something. I mean, yeah, he loves us just like we are. We don't have to change and clean up. Most people think you have to change and clean up to go to church. You have to look a certain way, act a certain way, follow all the rules. Mm-mm. Not with my God. Not Jehovah. Not Christ Jesus. Mm-mm. He takes you just like you are. Scars, addicts, prostitutes, anybody. Everybody's welcome at the Lord's table. Everybody. He loves us all. The yes. ones that love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So so beautifully said. So beautifully said. And I love the fact, you know, in all of this, I mean, the whole thing is is absolutely remarkable, but the fact that you were taken from that car and when you came yeah. to you were standing you were standing yeah. and yeah how remarkable is and that and i that opened my eyes my eyes were shut and i opened my eyes when stuff happens to me that's usually what happens it's like all of a sudden i open my eyes and then i'm looking around thinking what <laughs> you know yeah i didn't even know where i was when i was looking at the road i didn't even know i'd had a wreck I was just looking around thinking, why am I here? Why am I here? You know? Didn't even didn't even know my legs were burnt. Had no idea I was bleeding. Didn't before, have no lick of pain. No. Before this had happened, what was your relationship with Jesus like? I was going, um, I was uh, my well. Okay, I got saved when I was seven, Victory Baptist Church, and um, I saw a vision then, and uh, let me tell you about when I got saved. Sure. I was sitting in there in the pew, and all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there. I didn't say nothing about wanting to go up to that altar. Mm -mm. So I was just sitting there. And the next thing I know, it felt like somebody had grabbed a hold of my heart out of my chest and pulled me up straight on my feet. And I'm standing there thinking, uh, so I sit back down. Next thing I know, something grabs a hold of my heart and it pulls me right back up on my feet. And I put my foot 
out in the aisle. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? All these people are looking at me, you know? And I'm thinking, well, I've already sat down once and it pulled me up. I sat down again and it pulled me up. So if I sit down again and I just stood there and I thought, well, I might as well go on up there because everybody's already looking at me. So I went on up to the altar, <laughs> right? And I knelt down and I asked Jesus into my heart. Well, as soon as I was asking forgiveness of my sins, I felt this warmth come over me and I was sitting there praying on my knees and I was looking up and the next thing I know, now, mind you, I didn't really know anything about this. Um, All of a sudden, I saw Jesus. But he was standing on a bunch of clouds. And his hands were out. And he had a white gown on. And he had a blue, like a belt thing. And um, I was just staring at him. And um, then after I got finished with my prayer, I went on. Well, when I started going to the Christian school when I was 16, right before the car wreck. I went to the Christian school in the middle of 10th grade. My mama put me over there after the car wreck. And I went over there, and um, I had been in church all my life, but I really never knew the Bible. You know, I just knew what the preachers had said. I really never studied the Bible. But when I went to the Christian school, that was a requirement. You had to study. And all of a sudden, I saw that scripture that said, when the Lord comes back, when he catches us up in the air, that he'll be standing on them clouds with his arms out. And as soon as I read that scripture, I remembered the day I got saved what I saw. And the only thing I could think is maybe I was actually going to be around for the rapture. Maybe God was showing me that even when I got saved. But all I know is I seen Jesus and I seen him on standing on clouds. Mm. And I'd ask my mother when she got saved, did she see that? She said no. But I didn't know anything about Jesus sitting on clouds until or standing on clouds until I read it in the Bible at the Christian school. Wow. So And we and we see that a lot too. A lot of times on this show we see people that uh have some kind of a vision or some kind of an experience that then lines up exactly with the Bible. Exactly. That's right. God shows me those things quite a bit. I mean, I'll be sitting here just talking to him, asking stuff and He'll just put a book in my head. All of a sudden, I'll think, you know, Jeremiah, or I'll think Titus or something. And then all of a sudden, I'll just go there, and right there's the answer I was asking. You know? Wow. So, well, yeah. what, I, how I, remarkable. Yeah, I don't even know how he does it. Cause, you know, <laughs> I, I'll be just yakking all the time. I talk to God like I talk to myself. So I'm always talking. I tell my friends, oh, you don't have to call me for me to start talking. You don't have to come to my door and visit me to talk. I talk all the time, whether I have people around me or not. I talk to God, you know. 
Yeah. And I think that's exactly what he wants. He just wants a relationship with us. Yeah. And that's really all I had to give, you know, except my heart. Yeah. And so thank the Lord that he takes us how we are because I wouldn't have much to offer him. Mm. You know? mm. Well, you're, I don't think you're you're alone in that in that aspect. And uh, you know, the Lord, like you said, He He accepts us the way we are. And I think that's, that's I mean, right. it's just it certainly is 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 not of uh, human wisdom. What you know, His love is so incomprehensible. It's so far what we can right. what we can grasp. That's right. Because I know, you know, I know for a fact that um, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of one miracle that God has given me. And he's given me more than most, but I think it's only because I look for them. You know, mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. miracles about every day. I tell everybody I know that I have four miracles every time I open my eyes in the morning. I already have four every single day. I can walk. I'm supposed to be paralyzed. Zero percent chance of walking. Twenty years old, I've walked ever since. I've been legally blind. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I didn't have glasses for twelve years. Could not drive. And um, I have twenty twenty vision. God has wow. healed me of um, no. God has healed me of forty four medications a day. And on the highest dose of fentanyl patches every two days, 175 micrograms of fentanyl. Change it every two days, the highest dose for 13 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's. I don't uh... even take aspirin for pain. (laughs) Hear me? Aspirin. Don't even take it. Yeah, don't need it. I wake up every day pain free. Yeah. And at, at that point, I, I think you have to say to yourself, I think it's easier just to believe than to be a skeptic. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's I, just, that's not coincidences. Oh, I tell my heart doctor all the time. I told him God chose you so that you could see him uh, work a miracle in my life. And he's like, okay. I'm like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. I said, God told me he's going to heal me um, completely. And I said, it also says in there that he'll heal me and make me whole. And I said, so I still have heart problems, rare heart disease, four arrhythmias uh, caused by psychiatric medication. And I still have, um, at the moment, asthma, COPD, and emphysema. I was supposed to be on oxygen at 32, and I'm fixing to be 54. And, um, um, God's going to heal me and he's going to finish it because it says in the Bible, when he starts a good work in you, he finished it. He finishes it. He get, he sees it all the way through. And so he's not going to let me down. I'm I'm not getting out of here until I'm totally healed. You hear me? I'm going to be totally healed. <laughs> and I ain't taking no for an answer because I know what he can do. He can't fool me. I know the miracles God can do. When I went to the heart doctor, they told me to list everything that I'd been diagnosed with in the last 20 years. I had eight pages. Wow. Wow. Eight pages. Hmm? Were, were those healings all uh, kind of over time? Over time. 
sometimes it takes instant. I've seen it instant. I had drop foot. Uh, my ankle paralyzed. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I was br- taking my neighbor to the store. And I was bragging, telling him, look how God, good God is, Ken. I said, you know, when I was 20, I should have been paralyzed. And I said, look here, God's let me walk for 30-something more years. And I was telling him how good God is. And I said, he told me I'd walk forever. I'm never going to be paralyzed. Praise God. And I said, wait a minute. Wait just a minute, Ken. I said, uh-oh. I said, God did tell me I wasn't ever going to be paralyzed. He said, you're not. And I said, wait a minute. My drop foot, that's paralyzation of the ankle. I said, drop foot's paralyzation of the ankle. I said, Lord, Lord, you promised me that I was healed of paralyzation. I forgot my ankle's still hurting. My ankle is still paralyzed. You know, I didn't have no feeling, and it's dead. From my knee down, it's dead. And so I said, now, God, I know that you'll finish a good work in me. And I said, so I'm going to believe you. You're going to heal me of that paralyzation of my ankle because I don't supposed to be paralyzed at all. And so I had to get out and help him get his dog food out of the back of my vehicle. And when I opened that door and I stepped on that ground, I took a step and I stopped and I was like, what, what just happened? Did, did my heel just hit the floor? And I took another step and I took another step and kept going to the back of the van. And I said, Ken, I said, look at this. I said, stop what you're doing and look at this. And I started walking. And I said, do you see me limping? No. I said, Kent, do you see me limping? No, you're not limping. And I said, look, is my ankle? Look, Kent, I said, my heel is touching the ground by itself. It's My foot's not flopping. And I started walking around and walking around in circles. I said, are you seeing me? And he said, I'm seeing it. He said, I, 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 I'm seeing it. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, my ankle's hurting. I said, Ken, he said, your ankle's hurt. I said, Ken, I have not felt no pain in that ankle for 15 years. I said, when you're paralyzed, there's no pain. I said, I'm feeling pain in my ankle. I said, my foot is hitting the ground. I said, am I not walking? And he said, Lynn, I'm watching it. And I can't even believe it. And I said, did God just heal me? He said, that's what it looks like to me. I said, kid, I said, I've had this for 15 years. And I said, God just healed me. I said, what? 
I couldn't even believe it. I, I just, you know, you believe it, but you just, I could not believe it. I come home, I got out of the vehicle, I ran around my vehicle two or three times, making sure it wasn't a fluke. I come in, got all my stuff in, waited a couple hours, stood up, walked around again, make sure it was what the fuck, you know. And I I can walk. My my middle part of my foot is still dead. But my ankle hits the ground now. I feel pain in my ankle and I can move three toes. Mm. And to me, I can feel some of the bottom of my foot when I touch my foot now. It's not paralyzed no more. I can literally feel my fingers run on the bottom of my foot. Wow. Just instantly, because I reminded God, he told me that I wasn't going to be paralyzed. And it just dawned on me that I was still paralyzed, but it was drop foot. And, um, I mean, I'm fine. I don't even use a cane anymore. I used to have to use a walker for years. I used canes for years. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't even wow. use a cane no more. That is so, so cool. And, and this just happened, this just happened probably seven months ago. Wow. Wow. So, Praise God. What, a, what, how phenomenal. And I love that. It, you just, like you said, you just reminded God what he had already, you know, promised you. Yeah, promised. He promised me that I'd walk forever. And I told, I used to tell my mama, well, God, I've, I said, sometimes it's how you pray, Mama. You got to pray exactly what you need because sometimes God will give you exactly what you pray. I said, so you have to be real careful how you pray. And I said, when I asked God to heal me of being paralyzed, I said, I forgot to tell him and I didn't want to limp. I said, but you know, one of them prophets in the Bible, when he fought with that angel, he had a limp. I said, God allowed him to keep having a limp to remind him how good God is. And I said, so I'll take a limp. I said, at least I'm walking. I said, I don't care what them doctors say. I'll be walking the rest of my life. <laughs> I love that too. How you <laughs> I love that how you're how you're giving the doctors a, a award. You're you're a walking miracle, walking testimony for for your physicians. Oh, I tell them all the time. I, I got all my doctors tell me it's God. They tell me there's nothing it could be but God. <laughs> And tell them when it comes to you, we know it's God. You know, I have them telling me it's God all the time. They they can't fool me. I said, it don't matter what them tests show. I said, God is a good God. I said, y'all going to see that one day. I said, if I let y'all do everything y'all wanted to me, I'd be half robot by now. <laughs> so so for the, the... Sometimes the... they don't think it's that funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, but... Um, how, how remarkable again, and, and for the people that are listening to this now, and they're in, they're in a similar position, they're waiting for their healing. It sounds like there, so there's, there is no special formula. They don't have to do anything other than just oh, trust ask. God for what he's already asked. Right. Yeah. Just ask him, please heal me. Father, you are my great position. No matter what these tests show, no matter what they're trying to tell me, I know who's in charge of my life. I know who the great healer is, and you know that the only one that can heal me the right way is you. 
And I ask you, Father, and I believe and I know for a fact that you're going to heal me. I tell him, you know why I know that? Because you're a good God. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard for people to swallow. You know, when people love God all their life and they don't see him working. But the thing is, is what I say is God's always working. It's just they don't have their eyes opened up wide enough. And if they start opening up their eyes a little bit wider and start trying to look at the world the way God sees, when you start looking through, see, the world, when when the world looks at you, they see what you got, see what you look like, see what you're wearing, see what you're driving, see what you smell like see what kind of job you got, what kind of money you got. You got a nice, clean family if you go to church. That's how the world wants you to shape up. They they want the people to see that. But people don't see what goes on behind closed doors. See, And it's like the world is fake to me. Um, I don't see the world as true and real. I don't. Um, because if it was the way it's supposed to be, there wouldn't be poor or rich. There wouldn't be people that are alone and that are crying at night because nobody gives a crap. There wouldn't be anybody, you know, that's being beat on and, and people allowing it. Um, there wouldn't be any people that their children are having to go hungry. There wouldn't be any homeless veteran that, you know, gave me my freedom and then he gets to eat out of the garbage pan. See, in God's world, no, it wouldn't. God wants us all to be provided for, protected, and he wants us to love each other and to lift each other up and be kind to each other. And treat each other like you're actually, you love them and that you actually care. And you actually look at people in their eyes when you talk to them. And you actually feel their pain when they're talking to you. You don't just go, oh, okay, well, how you doing? Okay, well, that's good. All right, see you later. No, you go up to them and you say, how are you doing? Is, is there something I can do that can can make you feel better or make you smile or walk up to them. You sure look beautiful today. I always love seeing you smile. It brightens my day. See, that's kind of stuff God wants us to do. But that ain't how we do. We'll go, hey, how you doing? Just keep on going. You know, that's mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it that way. God wants everybody to actually, if they saw somebody in the store, actually go up and give them a hug. Tell mm -hmm. them they missed you. And how much you care about them. Not just, hey, yeah, say, okay, I'll call you. And then they never call. Hmm. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it makes me think of Jesus. The world leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And you, the world just, ever since I come back, the world's just left a bad taste in my mouth. I just don't like it down here. Um, humans, I'm not saying I'm not. I, I fail all the time. Every day I struggle with stuff, um, you know, just my mouth mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but I struggle 
And, um, but we just started caring for each other and having compassion and empathy for what people go through, especially the mental ill, the foster care, the elderly. You know, I know so many people that would lose their family members or their husbands and spouses, and then they just stay in their home by themselves for 10 years and nobody even comes to them. But when they'd have a funeral, you know, there'd be 200 people there acting like they cared. Where was they when she's alive, you know? Mm. Weren't weren't they holding her hand and wiping her tears while she was there, you know? But I I don't know. Things are just backwards to me. Everything everything I say is backwards. We're certainly not of this world, as the Bible says, and and you're spot on. I think, you know, just like with Jesus, you know, he always took the time and he was always going somewhere when he would do a miracle for somebody He would always take the time to stop and help people. And I think if we just, you know, just 10% more of our time and, and, uh, understanding other people, I think that this world would be vastly different. You're spot on. And I never done that before. I was pretty much, um, cut and dry before I died. I'm, I didn't really trust people and I always thought somebody was up to something. But then when I come back, it's all of a sudden I had compassion and empathy. I had it as a child, but I sort of lost it, you know, the way the world gets on you, just bitters you, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. and but it was like when I come back, all of a sudden I started deeply caring. It was like almost too deep. Um, I could feel their pain. And um, my mom and dad never really were the type in that generation. They never went around and just said, I love you all the time. They'd tell me, well, you have food in your belly, shelter, clothes on your back. That don't mean we love you. I don't know what does. But they wouldn't just come out and say and some children need to hear that. Some people need to hear I love you. And um, I know that when I come back, all of a sudden it was like it was my purpose in life to teach my mother and father how to say I love you. And so I decided I was going to tell them that every day when I talked to them and when I saw them, that the last words in my mouth was going to be I love you. And I did it for a couple years, and they never said it back. And then all of a sudden, one day, I was talking to my mother on the phone. I said, okay, Mom, I love you. And she said, love you, too. And I had to stand on that phone for about 10 minutes thinking, what did you just say to me? And it was almost like I had to teach them how to do it. But then after that, the love just flowed. They was telling everybody. You know, it was like I let up a floodgate or something. And it was just like I was wanting to be more connected with people and um, nature and animals. It seemed things that were alive were the important things. And clothes, cars, houses, jobs, money, none of that mattered. Mm. None of it. And when you say come back, what did you come back from? From when I died at the Mm. hospital Mm. when I was 27. And I can tell you about that. That would be great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
my medications, they kept saying wasn't working right because I kept crying. Now, I'd had a divorce when I was 20, and I started crying. Could not stop. Didn't matter what I tried to think of, what people were saying, trying to joke with me. All I did was cry. Did not stop crying um, for no reason. I cried myself to sleep every day. I woke up crying, and um, I was just sad. And I couldn't believe I was divorced at such a young age. I was just brokenhearted, I thought. And um, so three weeks went, and my eyes were swelled shut. Couldn't even see. So my mother made me go to the doctor. Well, they introduced me to antidepressant and a nerve pill, and it stopped my crying. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I just, you know, just mild depression. And go away, so I well, after a couple of years, all of a sudden I started crying again. And they'd tell me, Oh, it's a breakthrough medicine. We'd have to give you something else to stop the crying. You've already exhausted this medication, so we had to give you something stronger. And so they'd give me something stronger and then I'd quit crying for about six months. And then all of a sudden I'd start crying again. Now I didn't have to have a reason to cry, it was just coming out of me. I just, it just because of everything that had happened to me in life, it did just start coming out. You know, I guess the divorce was the last straw or something. And um, so they put me in the hospital. And uh, I loved it up there. I mean, it was awesome to me. I had, uh, I was asking them if I could move in, you know, and they thought I was just funny. <laughs> And they said they'd never seen anybody that actually enjoyed coming to the Nut Hut. Told them, heck, I do. I said, it's nice. Y'all got free cable and all the chocolate milk I can drink. I'm buying here, you know. <laughs> so I was, it was a great place for me. Didn't have to worry about the world for a while. It was nice. And um, all the free therapy I wanted. And they even called in a preacher for me to give me a Bible lesson every day for an hour. I enjoyed it. And... um so I left. They got my meds right. Everything was good. Well, a few months later, all of a sudden I started crying again. Didn't stop for about two weeks. So they decided they was going to put me back in the hospital to get my medications regulated. So I'd quit crying because they'd already exhausted about 20 medications on me by now. And so I was going to go to the hospital. Packed my bag and I told my mother and father I'd drive myself up there because it was pretty far. And I was headed out the driveway. And the next thing I know, the very next thing that I know, I'm lifting my head off of my chest and opening my eyes again. And I'm driving a car. And I'm driving a car down the road, and I had just lifted my head and opened my eyes, and so when I decided I was driving then, I knew I was driving, I stomped on the brakes and slid sideways into the road, and my heart literally felt like it was jumping out of my chest. I could not understand why I was driving and I had just been asleep 
I had just woke up. How was I driving a car? So I scooted over to Taco Bell's uh, drive-thru, and I got in a driving spot there, parking spot. And it took me about 20 minutes to get my breath under control and my heart quit beating out my throat. And I'm trying to figure out how did I get up here? This is like three towns from my house. I'm not at the hospital. Um, I'm two towns over from the hospital. Why am I driving a car when I just woke up? And so I'm pretty flipping out. I don't know what's happened to me, but I know something bad has happened. And so I realized that I had a friend in Little Rock. So I thought, okay, keep yourself control and try to drive over there. And maybe you can rest there or, or get yourself together, you know, because my, I was shaking so hard that, I mean, I couldn't believe here I'm asleep one minute and all of a sudden I'm I'm driving a car. I didn't even know I slept. You know, I the last memory I had, I was driving down my driveway headed to the doctor. And so I make it to my friend Ann's house. And she opens the door. It's about 1030, I think she said at night. And she said when she opened the door that I looked like I was fixing to have a massive heart attack. She said the look on your face, it scared the crap out of me. And I said, well, what'd I do? And she said, you come in and you laid on the couch. Well, I remember that. I remember going laying on the couch, but I, I went to sleep. Well, the next day when I woke up on the couch, she told me she had called my mother. And that my mother had said I was supposed to have gone to the hospital two days ago. And I said, two days ago? I said, how was I two days? I said, yesterday. I guess is when I left the house, but when I come to, I was in Little Rock. And she said, no. She said, your mother said, they have an APB out on you, girl. You've been gone AWOL for over two days. She said, this is the third day. I said, I ain't been gone no three days. She said, they've had cops out looking for you for two days. Said what? So I I called my mother, and she told me you you've been gone for two and a half days. I said I just left yesterday. She said no, you did not. Well then I started getting scared, and I didn't know exactly what had happened to me. How could I be driving a car for one thing when I'm asleep? My head is down on my chest. And I'm opening my eyes. I was asleep or unconscious. One, I don't know. And um, then, and where did two days go? What did I do in two days? Was I driving around like that? I had to be, and I was driving when I come to. Can you imagine somebody driving on the roads two days and then unconscious? What in the world? Two days, unconscious, behind the wheel. Wow. Have no memory, no memory. And um, 
I got up to the hospital, drove myself up there because it scared them out of me. So I got on up there, and as soon as I got there, they met me at the door. And all of a sudden, it didn't look like it was going to be a fun trip that time, you know. <laughs> I didn't know why they come down to meet me this time, but I guess they thought I was not going to come up there. Or something. And so they grabbed a hold of me, and they lifted me up off the ground, and they basically carried me up to the third floor. And um, I kept telling them I could walk, but they wasn't having no part of it. I guess they wanted to make sure I got there. And so... When I get up there, they set me down on the ground and they put a blood pressure cup on me and they start screaming. Everybody starts scattering, saying, she's stroking out, she's stroking out. I'm like, look, I'm a little hot, but I'm not having no stroke. She just, she's stroking out, get a shot, get a shot. And next thing you know, they're putting a needle in my arm and I feel like a deflated balloon. All of a sudden, my body just goes limp like a noodle and I start falling to the ground and then I'm unconscious. And one split second, all of a sudden, I'm in this gray room. And I'm looking around. And I'm just standing there. And I look to my left, and it's dark gray. It looks sort of like metal or something. And I look to my right, and it's just a gray room. I'm thinking, where am I at? You know, what is this? And I look over my left shoulder, and I went, huh, what's that tunnel doing here? And I look at it, and I think, oh, it's like one of them western tunnels that was carved out of the side of a mountain that was made out of granite. And I was looking at it, and then all of a sudden, I mean, dead silent. Just dead silent. You could hear a pin drop wherever I was at. And um, all of a sudden, this little pin light looked like the size of an eraser popped up. And I'm watching it, and it's starting getting bigger and bigger, coming towards me, becoming bigger and bigger. And I'm looking at this light, and I went, huh. I wonder why that choo-choo train ain't making no noise. I'm just watching it. And you got to understand, I didn't call it a choo-choo train when I've been an adult. I called it a choo-choo train when I was a child. But, you know, in all my life, I'd always heard about the light at the end of the tunnel. But it seemed like when I actually see it, I don't know what it is, you know? And so I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, well, why ain't that choo-choo train making any noise? And I'm just standing there looking over my left shoulder, just wondering, you know, what is this? And then I turned to my right, and I looked over there, and all of a sudden I see this little girl. And she's kneeling. And so I was fixing to walk over there toward her because she had light around her. And the only thing that had light except for that tunnel. And so I was drawn over to her, but I didn't walk. It was like I was instantly standing in front of this little child. 
and I'm looking at this little girl on her knees, and she's got a prayer hand, and she's got a blue dress on, and it has big old huge blue roses. And I'm thinking, boy, that's pretty material. Boy, that's beautiful. Yes. And then I'm looking at her shoes and patent leather shoes and them little ruffled socks. And I'm thinking, huh, I wore them like that when I was a little girl. And then I look back and all of a sudden I saw myself. It was me. And I was looking at myself. I know it sounds. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Okay. Not um, here. Not I here. Was, not on this show. <laughs> uh, I was looking at myself, and I said, "Huh. Wonder how old I am there? Seven, eight years old." And then I went. Oh, that's right. I must be seven there because that's the time I got saved. And then all of a sudden, I was instantly put in that body. And then all of a sudden, I was the little girl. I was in my little girl body. I wasn't standing over there looking at myself no more. I was inside my little girl body. And I'm looking up with my prayer hands, just like the little girl. And all of a sudden, I started talking. But it was my voice now. It's this voice is the voice you carry, not my voice, but your voice. Everything you sound like right now, that's exactly how you sound on the other side. Exactly. Ain't no cleaning it up. Ain't no proper English. You sound exactly like you do. Just like me, I sound like a hick on this side. I sound like a hick on that side. And so um, I'm looking up with my prayer hands like this, and all of a sudden I just start yelling. I said, no doctors can help me. No nurses can help me. No family can help me. No friends can help me. No medicine can help me. I can't even help myself. And I was crying. And I was in desperation yelling up into this black nothingness. And all of a sudden, if thunder could talk, all of a sudden I heard, I am here. And I'm sitting there telling him, I ain't got nobody down here. Nobody can help me. Nothing can help me. I can't help me. What does God say to me? I am here. That's what God said to me. I am here. And then all of a sudden, this big old huge, the biggest hand I've ever seen in my life, I've never seen nothing like this. And here, I'm thinking, on the other side, I'm a little girl because I sound like a little girl when I'm talking. But all of a sudden, I look up at this huge hand, white, pure light, just like that leg in the car in my Mustang with the wreck. 
that light. It's the same light. It's like an illuminating, the brightest light. It's like it's alive. And it glows outward. It goes outward. And um, I've seen this big old huge hand, and the first thing I thought is, whoa, that's bigger than King Kong. (laughs) I know it sounds bad, but that's what I said. You know, yeah. I'm not lying, even though it makes me look like, you know. Mm. I said, whoa. I mean, it was huge. I've never seen nothing like it. I've never seen nothing that big in my life. And it started coming down toward me. And all of a sudden, I could see it. It looks like a regular hand. God's hand has creases in it. It has all them little bitty lines like our hands got. It's got the bendable parts, the knuckles, all of it. It looks like a human hand, but it's all made out of pure light. But you can see it looks just like a hand, a human hand, with all the lines and everything. And he come down, it come down, and it was his right hand. Let me say that. And all I know is as soon as it got down toward me, now remember, I'm in a gray room. All of a sudden, that light from God's hand lit up everything around me where I could see, you know. So I looked to my left, and I saw mud. And I'm looking at this mud, but it's chiseled out like a rectangle. It's solid, straight lines like somebody cut it with a spackle knife or something. Perfect lines, and but it was a wall of mud, perfectly cut into slices. I'm looking at it, thinking mud. I look to the right. There's still mud, still a wall. I look down, there's mud. I'm standing, oh no, I'm kneeling in mud in my little blue dress. And then the first thing that crossed my head was pit. I heard the word pit. It wasn't God saying it, it was me saying it inside my mind. I heard pit. And then all of a sudden, I got up, because his hand was down on the ground. I got up, and my knees wasn't even muddy. My dress wasn't muddy. I started walking over to his hand, and I started shrinking. It was like all of a sudden, it was like Alice in Wonderland. I got smaller and smaller. And I got up, walked up to God's hand, and I was about up to the end of his fingernail. And all of a sudden, I just reached out my hands and grabbed a hold of his hand, and I started climbing it like it was a rock. Like I was just climbing up a hill. <clears throat> and I climbed up in his hand, and then I stood up, and then I walked over to the middle of his hand, and I just stood there. I didn't say nothing. I wasn't thinking nothing. I just went over there and walked into the hand, 
And the next thing I know, it starts rising up. And so we get up to the top of my grave. Because that's what it was. That's what it looked like. It was a grave. It was mud. It was a grave. It was cut just like a grave. It was a rectangle just like a grave. And when I got to the top of it, all of a sudden, I opened my eyes and I'm sitting in my bed in the hospital, sitting up, and I just opened my eyes. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, uh, and then all of a sudden I go, whoa, real slow motion. I mean, I was in shock. I was just, Whoa. And I was like, whoa. And then I look up to the ceiling by the top of the wall over there at the hospital room. And all of a sudden I see these shiny letters and numbers. And they're just sparkling like the sun's hitting them. They sort of reminded me of balloons. And it was just silver letters and numbers just shining. And it spelled out Isaiah 41.10. Wow. And I was just looking at it. Yeah. I, I was just looking at it thinking, man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, wow. Because I'd never seen nothing like that anyway. But when I went and I rolled over to get my Bible off of my nightstand. When I looked back up, it was gone. And so when I looked it up, all of a sudden it says this. It says, Fear thee not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help thee. Yes, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. The right hand. It wow. says, don't fear. I'm with you. Don't worry. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. And I'll uphold you with my right hand and my right hand. That's wow. exactly what he was telling me. Wow. I got up. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what to do. I was shaking. I was just shaking. And I realized what had happened to me. And I walked in there to the nurse's station. I pecked on the window. And I said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think I died last night. Did what? I said, I think I died last night. Did y'all not know that? Because I didn't have no machine hooked up to me. And she goes, well, I wouldn't doubt it. I said, what? She said, I wouldn't doubt it. I said, you wouldn't doubt I died? She said, no, I wouldn't doubt you died. I was just looking at her like, what are you talking about? And she said, ma'am, 
we gave you enough medication last night to put down a buffalo. She said, I don't doubt one minute you died. And I said, uh, well, I think I did. Uh, uh, why'd you give me the shot? And she said, because you were stroking out. She said, your blood pressure was sky high. She said, we was afraid you was going to have a stroke. We had to knock you out to get the blood pressure to drop. I said, well, I think I died. She said, like I said, I wouldn't doubt it. I said, was there anybody I was supposed to tell about that? She goes, well, you're alive now, ain't you? Yeah, I think so. She goes, well, really nothing to do. And she said, your breakfast starts at 8 if you want to go in there and get dressed. And I thought, I said, can I have extra chocolate milk? She said, yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> I went on <laughs> got my clothes on and had me extra chocolate milk. I figured I deserved it. Everything I'd been through. I'd say so. And I thought I needed extra chocolate milk to calm wow. my nerves. You know? Wow. <laughs> well, all I know is things that happen to me, usually people I tell, they've never heard of stuff like this, and I haven't either. So, you know, I'm as surprised as they are. And, I mean, I can't, I mean, the stuff happened, and I know it happened, okay? I'm not doubting none of it happened. It's just that I can't believe it. You know, it's so shocking. And sure. it's so huge that, I mean, the stuff that happens is like out of this world stuff. And when I start telling people, because I've had what they call mental illness, okay, me, I couldn't quit crying, okay? And I ended up going through the whole regiment for 20 years because of it. just because of my divorce when I was sad. And that's all that was wrong with me. The first diagnosis I ever had, they told me I had broken heart syndrome and that that I had severe self-worth and uh, self-love issues and that um, that I was just depressed because um, I didn't know my own worth and that there was nothing wrong with me except for I had a broken heart. And that there had been so much trauma. They said if it had just been a few traumatic experiences. That they probably wouldn't diagnose me as that at first. But they said that as much as that I had to go through as a child. They told me that most people would have already took their life by the time they were 16. Mm. And I told them. That wasn't really nice to say. Um, I told him, well, I had started thinking about it by 12 because my, just it was quite a bit of a, some abuse, just hard abuse. And then mm. yeah, bad things, you know, pedophiles things. Mm. So I'd already had my share. No, it's okay. But I think the divorce triggered everything. I'd had to keep everything to myself. 
for so long, for so many years that, you know, I'd tell people that, you know, they'd tell me that I had it good and that I need to be grateful and quit talking about things like that. So it got to where the adults didn't want to hear what had happened to me. I was trying to tell people who did what and they just didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to get involved, you know. And so I learned how to keep my mouth shut like that at a young age. And I just carried things that had happened to me through my life and I just kept them myself. Mm. And so when I finally ended up going to the doctor because of my divorce and the crying, it's like they wanted to know about everything. And so when they started digging in my life, that's when all the medications come out. You know, they just put me through the regimen. And, and, and uh, well, I was going to say real quick, not to be lost in, in the miraculous, you know, story that you just told there, but perhaps that when you were driving those two days where you were unconscious, maybe a result of everything that you're talking about, everything, you know, all the trauma that you had been through, perhaps a stress-related, you know, un- unconscious yeah. uh, they episode. They said it was there. definitely stress. Yeah, they definitely saw it, said it was stress. And um, it said that my mind had separated itself. And that when your brain fires up, you have so much trauma. I had emotional PTSD, severe to extreme. And so they said that when I had so much trauma, that sometimes when more traumatic things happen or my anxiety or my stress gets overloaded to where my mind is just too much for me to think about, that they said sometimes the mind will shut down. To preserve itself even through all that god reminding you through that miraculous uh experience there that mm. he had you right there mm. in his right hand and yeah. you know even says in psalms yeah. i think it's i can't remember if it's psalms 51 22 but that god will not allow the righteous to stumble he had you right there and and uh was yeah. guiding you and, and protecting you well it just makes me closer to him it just proved to me that when your family ain't there, your friends ain't there, no doctors can help you, no meds can help you, you can't even help yourself, guess who's there? God. He's still hanging in there. Always there. He told me, I am here. I was still breathing, and I was still sort of alive. And, you know, and all I know is that God showed me that when nobody's there, he is there. He's always there. He never leaves us just because it's in a different realm or wherever. Um, doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> it's more real over there than it is over here. To me, this is all fake over here. We're just walking around trying to be something. I don't know what we're trying to be. All we have to be is ourselves. Yeah. Exactly the way God created us. Yep. He wants us all to be ourselves. Yeah. Because he, he created us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He created he us this way for a reason. Something else. Right. Yeah, he don't want you to try to be somebody else or to try to be some like somebody else. He wants you to be exactly the way he created you because there's a purpose for it. 
There's a purpose to the way you think the way you do. There's a purpose the way if you've got issues or health problems or cripple or this or that. You know, God can use that to heal you to be a testimony to somebody else. You know, sometimes people think that being crippled or being sick is a punishment. No, it's a lesson. Because the lesson is, no matter whatever you go through in this life, no matter how bad, no matter how bad, I understand bad. And it don't matter. Because all that matters is your love for God, his love for you, and that um, everything is going to be okay because God's watching. And if anything happens that he don't want, he will maneuver you back to the path that he wants you on because it's his purpose why we're here. It's his purpose. So there's a purpose for you because of God. And so he will maneuver your life into the way he wants it. Now, you can choose and have all this free will, I believe. This is just my opinion. But you can have all this free will you want. But if you're not in the right area where he wants you, he can pluck you right out of there and put you wherever he wants you to be. And he'll do it just because you're for his purpose. And it all has to come together in the end exactly the way he wants, and it will. And so, you know, we take this life too serious. We put way too much stress on ourselves to try to be pleasing to others, to make people love us, to make people happy, you know. And all we need to be worried about is what God thinks and what God wants. And what does he want for me today? See, I wake up now and I'm like, what are we going to do today, God? What are we going to get to do? We're going to go get something to eat. We're going to go to the Dollar General. You know, I say, well, I'll leave it up to you what we're going to do. And I'll just get in the vehicle and I'll just take off and just see what happens. Because God will put people in my life. The lady at the register that didn't have enough money. And I can help her and tell her God loves her. And um, or the little boy that asked me to buy him something, it blesses me, but it blesses him when I tell him Jesus loves you. You know, God puts people in our path all day long for us to see, for us to be a part of, um, for us to interact with. Because we all have a purpose. We all weave in and out of each other's lives. You know, it's not that Johnny hadn't seen me in 10 years, but he was my favorite cousin or whatever. It's because Johnny had a purpose in your life at a certain time. And, you know, we we all come together when God needs um, things done. It, if I need something, I pray to God, and within a day or two, somebody's knocking on my door bringing me what I ask God for. He'll always bring somebody into my life to give me what I need. He never fails me. Mm-hmm. I know that sometimes I pray, and I think he hadn't answered my prayer, or he hasn't um, heard me, 
or if I don't get what I'm praying for, I think that, you know, maybe didn't hear me right, or maybe I prayed wrong, or why ain't he listening? He didn't want me to have that. And, um, and, um, you know, so I'm always wondering why, but the thing is, it wasn't meant for me to have it, or I would have got it. If it was meant for me, it would have come to me. And, um, you know, I don't think there's no new age. It's just how God works, too. If he wants you to have something, well, I'll tell you a miracle. I prayed. I have a friend that had a few cars given to her. And I've driven a poor car that's it's it's been in some bad shape for a few years and everybody I know around me gets scared and prays for me every time I get in it. And um I tell them it's all right, it runs on prayer, I'm good, and God will provide me something else. Well when I prayed, I told God, I said, Now I know this is a big one and I know I'm stepping out in big face, Lord, because I have no money, I have no credit, I have no way to pay for a vehicle. So here's my prayer. I said, I need a vehicle. And I said, I know people that you've given free vehicles for. And I said, it says that what you'll do for others, you'll do for me. And you know I can't afford a vehicle. You know I don't have no money. And I said, but I need one. And I said, but I know that you're going to keep my other vehicle going until you provide me another vehicle. And I said, I know it's a big prayer. I know it's a big ask. But I said, I'm praying. Free to me and hand me the key. And I told everybody. Everybody's like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to like to see that one happen. You know, people started laughing at me. And I kept telling him, why can't he get me a vehicle? He provides everything for me. He provides my income. He provided my home. He provided my vehicles. He provides my food. I said, why couldn't God give me a car? Everybody's like, mm, yeah, yeah. And so I sort of start losing faith a little bit. I'm thinking, well, maybe I was being too greedy asking for a free vehicle. Well, still didn't see nothing happen. So I changed my mind. I said, no, God, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. Now, a vehicle is nothing for you. I said, you know, you create everything. You Vehicle's nothing. And I said, I know that you know I need one. And if you want me to have one, I pray you get me one. And I said, I'm still sticking to my prayer, Lord. I'm not going to lose my faith. I need a free vehicle, hand me the keys. I said, I'm going to stick to my prayer. And so I just kept praying and believing and praying. Well, a friend of mine gave me a vehicle that had been wrecked, and uh, she was just going to take it to salvage. And, and I asked if I could have it, and she said, well, of course, and she gave it to me. And then I got to thinking, well, Lynn, you asked for it. Maybe, you know, that's not it. Well, I didn't have the money to fix it. So it sat out there a couple months. Well, then my friend asked if she could have it back. But she had the money to fix it, and she loved that vehicle. I said, sure. So she come and got it. 
And the next thing I know, she helped purchase or she purchased a little used car that was perfect. It's exactly what I asked for. A little four-door hatchback. I asked for a hatchback. I asked for a four-cylinder. And uh, God even made it blue for me. And um, and she's going to give it to me in a week. Wow. And how, how it's going to be free to me, free to me, and hand me the key. Wow. And, I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. This has been absolutely phenomenal, Norma. Absolutely beautiful, and um, and I think exactly what many people need to hear because this will be airing right before you know the the Christmas holiday and New Year's, and like you said, you know maybe many people are going to be alone during this time and and need to hear exactly what you said today is a reminder that God is always with them, and you've you've already imparted a ton of wisdom with us and, and absolutely miraculous miraculous testimonies. But I, I I wonder is do you have anything else for our listeners here before we wrap up? Uh, advice or um, words, or do you want me to tell something else that's happened? Um, you know? Well, let's go. Just let's advice? go. With, let's go with yeah. Final words, and maybe we can yeah. have you back on if if you have more. I would love. I that. would love. I would love it. Um, what I want everybody to know is. Um, The Lord is love. The Lord God accepts you exactly the way you are. You don't have to clean up to come to God. He takes you exactly how you are. He knows you better than you know yourself. There's nothing you can't talk to God about. There's nothing you can't ask God about. Um, He is your provider. He's your protector. And um, you have to have not just faith as a mustard seed. I say faith as a little child. Because when you look at your father as your father, you look at God. And what does father do? What does a good father do? When a child has a problem and they go to their father and they ask their father, Daddy, please help me. Your good father will move mountains to get that child what it needs. That's how God is. There's nothing that you can't talk to God about that he don't already know. There's nothing that you do wrong or right that he don't already know. God does not love you. His amount of love does not go by only what you do right and wrong. Because you're following all the rules don't mean God loves you anymore. Because you're doing wrong doesn't mean God loves you any less. God loves you steady. He loves you the same if you're sinning or if you're praising hands to him. He loves you exactly the same. There's nothing that you can do too bad that you can fall from God that you cannot be forgiven for. But when you ask for forgiveness, you have to mean it with your whole heart. And as long as you cry out to God, he will always be there for you. He will never let you down. He will never drop you. God does not do mean things to nobody. What God does is he allows the devil to do what he wants sometimes. But the only reason I believe that God allows bad things to happen to all of us 
is to teach us lessons that he wants us to know and he wants us to learn to draw us closer to him and make us better people. And he also wants to make sure that at the end of that storm, no matter if it's your parents passing, don't matter if you've gotten beat almost to death, it don't matter if you've about died in a car wreck, it don't matter what's happened to you. God will never leave you. My mother asked me one time, what did it feel like when you were going through all that? Can you explain what it felt like? I said, it felt like I was scraping the bottom of my stove. And I said, let me tell you something, Mama. There ain't no way, nowhere in this whole wide world that you can hide from God. It don't matter how low you get down in your life. It don't matter if you think you can't be saved. God can find you wherever you are. And he will come to you wherever you are. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what you've done wrong, cry out to the Lord and he will come to you. He will never be late. He will never fail you. He's always there. He'll be there for eternity. It's not now that we need to be worried about. The only reason you need to straighten up and all of us try to do right is not to impress everybody else. And it's not to go around saying, I'm a good Christian. It's your appreciation for what God has already done for you. That's the reason you want to do right by him. Because he's been so good to you. That's where the sweetness is. That's where the, the honey on your lips are. When you lay it all out for God, raw, ugly, bad, all of it, and don't hide none of it. He already knows it all. He already knows what you've done. You can't hide nothing. Nothing. Even those intentions behind what you did when you don't even know the intentions. He just wants to show you that he will always be there. He created you. He loves you. He made you for a purpose. You are special to God. You are one of a kind. You're not to be like nobody else. You are to stand out. You're unique. God created you at the beginning of earth the beginning of time because he knew who you were going to be good bad and ugly i've told him before if you'd known i had done so wrong why did you create me why would you create me god knowing that i've sinned this much and i've done so wrong and he told me because i love you he didn't create us humans to be perfect never did he create us to be perfect he created us to be forgiven 
Wow. That's what I want to end at. And wow. I just want to say, I love Jesus. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Yeah. I want to make sure I got that in. I love me some Jesus. You hear me? No, I, I can't think, get enough of him. <laughs> I'm happy you said that, but I, I I know it's apparent to everybody listening that that is that is uh, more than true, and I can't add anything to that, so I won't. So I, I just want to say that was absolutely beautiful, and I and I really really appreciate you being so gracious with your time today and taking the time to share all this. Oh, with I'm us. grateful this was... you had me on here, I, and I would love to tell more anytime you want to call. You just go right ahead. I've probably got about four more videos in me. <laughs> I, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I know uh, that I, the people listening would as well. And and I know that you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to inspire a lot of people this holiday season with, with some words of encouragement and hope. And uh, just a, maybe a, a reminder that many people already knew would just need to be reminded that God's with them and, and loves them no matter what's going on in their lives. No so matter. Th- thank you. No matter. You can be as far down as you need. It don't matter. He will be there for you. He will not drop you. Never. He don't fail. Mm. God's the winner. Yeah, He's going to be the winner in the end. Everybody's going to see it. Every well, knee shall bow. Uh, That's right. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Norma. Thank you. Well, that is it for the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I hope that you guys all have a great Christmas and a great New Year's. Um, just just a reminder, too, that when you're celebrating Christmas and New Year's, um, just remember why we have it in the first place, why we have anything in the first place, because of uh, the Father giving his son to us uh, as a sacrifice. And uh, just to be so grateful for the love uh, that God shows us and everything that, he's, that he has given us, um, whether it's time with family and friends this holiday season, uh, listening to these, you know, testimonies in this podcast, um, whatever it is, just remember the reason why we all, why we have all of it in the first place. Um, and, uh, just want to say too, this is going to be our last show for the year. And, uh, thank you so much for being with us here in 2021, our first year of the podcast. It's been such a, such a pleasure to have you, uh, on this journey with us. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it and I hope you have as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to great things in 2022. Um, a reminder to send in your testimony and, uh, just again, have a great holiday season. I'll be praying for you and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.